Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the Rock and Roll Podcast. I am your host, John Harris, and today on the Rock and Roll Podcast, we have Siren. They've got a new album called Back from the Dead, as well as a documentary that's going to be popping up. So we're going to be chatting about both. And right now, I'm being joined by Todd, who's going to be sharing all of this wonderful information. So, Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. Great to have you on. Now, Matt, where do we start? We start with the album, we start with the documentary. Which gave birth to which? Was it the documentary idea that gave birth to the album, or was it the album that gave birth to the documentary idea, or are they not even related? Well, the whole thing started when Siren got asked to play at the Keep It True Festival in Germany, and that's what got Siren back together after all these years. It was like 30 years the band hadn't done anything, and Keep It True was a festival in Germany, and they had an interest in bringing Siren back. And Ed and Doug got back together and, and kind of patched things up. And they started putting the band back together. And they got Hal, who was an original member. And they got uh, Doug, and of course, and then Greg. And they needed a lead guitar player. They were trying to get a couple of the other original guitar players, but they couldn't quite make it happen. So I came in. I'm, so I'm the only non-original member in the band. Wow. And Yeah, and it just kind of came together and we just started rehearsing for this concert and that was basically going to be it and then a, a record label over there wanted to put together an anthology and they put together all the old siren music plus we recorded four new songs and then we went over there and ed is friends with chris jericho who's uh, the wrestler and he's in fozzy and, and he's an entrepreneur and kind of chris got a hold of the story and kind of started thinking maybe it would be interesting to make a documentary so he sent uh, Nathan Mowry with us and him and Julian filmed the whole thing. And then a year or more later, they just put it all together. And in the interim, after the festival, we decided to do an album. So then we started doing the album. So the documentary is just coming out now. And the album has been out for a little while. But in this day and age, we're just really promoting it like it's a brand new release. Mm -hmm. Might as well. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Cool. Now, you are then the the only non-original member. What's that like? You know, it was a lot of fun. You know, I've done music my whole life. I was really one of the few guys that had been doing music the whole time. I have a music school, and I teach, and I play a lot, and I release my own solo albums. So I kind of think I helped them in the, from the musical end of it. But the, the cool thing was that I was doing a lot of kind of fusion rock, instrumental kind of guitar albums, and it got me the opportunity to go back to my youth, you know, go back to when I was 20 playing in these metal bands, because I played in metal bands, you know, with Siren, the same time, a band called Atomic Opera, and we were, you know, friends, and Ed actually played drums at a couple of gigs with that band, so it was just a, a real blast to go back and really have, relive my youth and play metal again. And it really made me realize how much I love the genre and how much I love playing metal and writing metal songs. And it was just a complete blast. So it was a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I kind of brings me to an interesting question. You said you love playing metal, but you kind of got away from it for a while. What is it about metal that juices you? God, you know, it's just the power of it. And there's nothing like having a guitar that's in tune playing through a nice amp and getting that high gain sound and even playing simple stuff that heavy chugging and just it's just a masculine powerful thing and it's just you know something that i think every guy and a lot of girls love you know it's just you know there's things like you know original bands that i love like saxon and 
and ACDC and Accept and all those original bands. And I love them just as much as I ever did. And mm -hmm. I enjoy listening to them. The new Priest album is fantastic. And I just, you know, I've gotten had a real renaissance with music because I'm coming back from maybe a slightly less cerebral, you know, outlook on music. But in a way, it can be as complex as you want to make it or as simple as you want to make it. It's just it's just fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you're doing a music school, are there any students who've come in who are metal heads and you revive maybe some of it for a student or two? Well, you know, a lot of the kids love metal. And, you know, anybody that plays guitar, especially kids, it's funny. When I was teaching 25 years ago, you know, everybody's bringing in Ozzy and Accept and all this heavy music. And they're still bringing the same stuff in today. So now with the way kids see and listen to music is they go search it out. It's not being blasted on the radio. When I was 20, they were playing Ozzy on the radio and they were playing Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell on the radio. Now these kids go out and find it. So they're finding basically the same music. And a lot of these newer bands and younger bands are playing in that style too, that traditional power metal style, which is my love. I respect a lot of the heavier bands and the kind of more brutal vocal style but what i love is just that heavy but melodic style and that's where you know where my ear is and that's where i came from mm -hmm. it's funny you mention that because uh i just got a i teach guitar as well and there's uh, mm -hmm. a new student i just got in young guy super young guy and i said you know what, what kind of stuff are you into and he's like man i really want to learn hendrix i really want to learn buddy yeah. holly it's just like wow okay cool yeah no, it, you know sure that's fascinating it really is very cool. Now, take us a bit through, you mentioned um, recording some new material. So then, did you take part in, in writing some material? I wrote the majority of it. Hal and um, Ed, Ed contributed some lyrics, and uh, Doug contributed some lyrics, but for the most part, I wrote a big chunk of it, and uh, everybody played on it, and everybody played amazing. It was really kind of a, a great opportunity there, too, because... They kind of, I started writing a few things, and I wasn't sure if they wanted me to contribute too much. And then Doug was like, wow, you're in my head. This is exactly what I'm hearing. So I kind of did a little bit more. I wasn't even going to write lyrics initially, but then I started throwing some ideas out, and it just really started working and clicking. And they were all cool enough to let me kind of just go for it, and I wrote a big chunk of it. And uh, I really had a blast, just like I said before, going back to my roots and playing the old school metal, and it just... It's kind of nice to write in a box like that. You know, when you say, okay, and Ed was base, Ed was the producer, and Ed basically channeled me. I would send him demos, and he'd be like, no, 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 that's too rock, man. That's too Guns N' Roses, more down-picking. He went real heavy. So he really directed me into that style, and it was really fun to be produced by Ed and to, you know, really be told which avenue to go, what not to do. Because a lot of my original music that I've done before is really all over the road and very eclectic. But it was a lot of fun to just write basically metal songs with catchy hooks. And like I said, the other guys contributed a lot, but they were really cool to let me do it. And what I did is I really tried to write for Doug, the lead singer. Mm -hmm. He's got this, his stage personality is kind of this dark, menacing kind of thing. And I really just got into that mindset and wrote something that would just feel cool for him to sing. And he really dug it. So that's, I got the green light and I just went for it. Okay. Did you have to take any kind of consideration into, uh, with regard to, to the vocals, tunings, keys, uh, tempos, that well, kind of thing? You know what? That's interesting. That's very interesting. I sang all the demos, and Doug and I have a very similar voice. He has a much better voice than I do, but our range, I think he's got a little more range than I do, 
but they're so similar. So anything that I could sing, he could sing. So that was a blessing. You know, he was able to just, you know, improve. Basically, I would record something and he'd come in there and take it to the next level and improve upon it. So that was a pretty easy transition there. And then, of course, Doug also had his own ideas and he took a couple of the songs in a slightly different direction. But for the most part, he was able to just uh, go with what we were doing. It was really uh, it was a. Uh, it was easier than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. You mentioned, um, you know, with the production side of things, uh, I, discipline comes to mind. You know, working in a in a in a narrower space to to achieve something, um, like for example, more down picking. Um, mm-hmm. Was that the first time that you've worked in with a producer in that capacity? Well, that's a, well. I've worked with some good producers before. I worked with Jim Morris, who's a brilliant producer, and he really helped me out early on. And I basically like going to you know, producing or guitar recording college with him. But it had been a long time. I basically just done my own independent albums. I had a deal in Japan early on. But for the most part, I was just putting my records out exactly the way I want to and finding my own muse and just going all over the place. So it was very cool. It made it things easier because Ed would, you know, I'd send him something. He'd be like, nah, 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 that's that's not for Siren. No, too much pull off. None of none, you know, and he would give me all this. But then when I found something he liked, he was like, oh, cool. He likes this. And I started to figure out what he was going for. So he had this idea of what he wanted Siren to sound like. He wanted it to sound like old school Siren or the traditional metal. He didn't want it to sound too modern, which uh, I think was a good move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as far as you mentioned some recording there, um, that's another step with regard to, to, to recording and mixing uh, and even mastering to take a direction does it sound more like old school metal or does it sound more modern and i think a lot of that can happen in the the mixing mastering stage so do you know anything about that yeah well we had a pretty nice setup where i have my own little recording pro tool set up ed has his and ed's really smart guy and he's really good at copying stuff and mixing stuff and putting it all together and how has a little studio the other guitar player and we all kind of recorded our demos and then we got the basic rough tracks done Ed would do the drums, and then we'd all have the drums, and I'd pull it off our Google Drive, and we'd do our parts, and we'd send it to him, and we'd get his approval on the parts, and then he would start comping and piecing it together. So it really, we got a process going pretty quick. And then Ed did all the initial um, mixing, and he did a pretty good job. As a matter of fact, his initial mixes I loved. But then we took it to Jim Morris, who I spoke of earlier, and from Morris Sound, and he really took it to the next level. And we went ahead and had him uh, mix it a little bit and master it. And he had Ed go back and redo a couple of things and kind of really taught Ed a few things about how to prepare a mix. And Jim is just the best. So it was a real honor to have him involved. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at his space right now. It's a very, very, very nice space. It's cool. Yeah, it's a new one. They had an old one back in the day that we used to all record at. It was a famous studio. A lot of the heavier metal bands recorded there back in the day. But mm-hmm. uh, they've got a really nice space now. It's great. Cool. Very cool stuff. Now, going back to a couple of the tracks here. So I'm trying to remember if this is a lyric video or a music video, but S Blade Serenade. Yep. Take us through this track. I'm looking it up right now. Lyric video. Cool. So this is obviously an important song because it gets the lyric video. Right. Take us through this track. Why is this such an important song and what is this song about? Okay, well, first of all, Ed wrote the lyrics of this song. Ed and I co-wrote the song and I worked on most of the music, but Ed wrote the lyrics. And basically there's a character which is kind of the Doug, even though 
Doug's not a, a serial killer or anything, but it's kind of about this character that's kind of Doug, but kind of not. Kind of an Alice Cooper kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, there's a song called Metro Mercenary they did years ago where this character just is pure murderer, serial killer, and just a horrible, horrible guy. And then they wrote another song called Dead of Night, which is the, the same character, but he's kind of becoming self-aware. Mm-hmm. Now, this is like the third part of that trilogy where he's actually become more of an anti-hero. He's, he's cast off his demons. He's still a bad guy, but now he's going after all the bad people. And he's trying to make you know good on some of his horrible deeds in the past. And additionally, Ed included a lot of uh, lyrics that speak back to the old song to the old band so it's almost like a you know combination of all the old stuff in there along with the new birth of the character who's now an anti-hero and he's not just an eat pure evil he's just kind of evil but he does good stuff kind of like dexter <laughs> <laughs> now you remember that old show i do i do remember that old show now is there then a theme or a concept to this record back from the well, dead no no, it really is. We're back from the dead. The concept is it is kind of easy. We're back. We're a metal band and we're back. You know, that's yeah. basically the, the concept. And of course, this is almost like a concept song. This is the third part of a trilogy that Ed wrote throughout, you know, Siren's career. But no, as far as the rest of the album, it's definitely not a concept album. Okay. I was looking at some of the track titles and in my head, trying to piece together how the story goes. Uh, right. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe you can spend some time and you can figure it out. Maybe it is a concept album. Maybe it <laughs> is. I'll I'll have developed some insomnia while trying to figure out the whole there thing. There you go. Uh, very cool. Because especially with the artwork, it it's almost like okay, here's this person, you know, breaking out. We got the lightning, and then okay, so where does the story take us from there? Right. Well, that's basically Siren's character, and basically that's a young Doug, our lead singer. That's basically his character. And like I said, it's kind of this. Alice Cooper thing. He's his stage personality and, and is just real dark and kind of menacing. He's not like that in real real life, but that's kind of his half personality. And then this character is kind of half based on that. So it's the character is part of it, but that's about as far as that goes. It's just that dude's <laughs> back from the dead. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. Now, I guess my big honking question then is: uh, beginning of the year, twenty twenty one, album was released last April. We got the documentary. Uh, coming up what is the plan for 2021 or what's coming up next well you know what we're doing a lot of rehearsing we're getting ready to shoot a video for science fiction movie and we got uh craig from full throttle productions he's a a great friend and he's putting together a full-blown professional video shoot for us so we'll have a, a video out so that's the current thing that we're working on and we're always writing we got some other songs floating around but i think our goal is to start playing again like I said, we would have been going back to Germany this year, or even earlier, last year. But it, it, there's this thing called COVID. Have you heard about that? I believe I have. Yeah, so that like, knocked that whole idea out. And I'm not sure about what's going on this year. So I'm not in charge of making the, the decisions. But my theory or what, I, of what we should do is start planning for... 22, we get some festivals set up. We go over there and try to do four or five festivals in Europe. And, and Germany especially has a, uh, Siren has a nice following. They really love, you know, Siren in Germany. So that's kind of my goal. And then in the interim, I would like to start working on another album, you know. So basically just waiting around until uh, the world comes back to normal, hopefully. Yeah. Now, I have my own theories, but I'm curious to hear from you. 
Todd, why do you think that Siren is so revered in Germany? I don't know. You know, well, it's back in the days of the early metal and, you know, all these bands, you know, Siren, Nasty Savage, who's uh, friends of ours, and all these early metal bands. And, you know, Metallica was part of that early metal thing in California. Mm-hmm. And they just started do, really having these uh, pen pals with people in Europe, mailing them little fanzines and keeping up the information and trading tapes. And they just were really in the middle of it. And they, they put together some pretty decent um, products for the day. They put out a, a single record, which is kind of rare. And they put out two or three cassettes and they just got it out. And they were just like a machine mailing stuff out, corresponding mail and stuff. And it just, it's one of those things where, you know, it's just kids pick up on something. It's just, Oh, this is our thing. It sounds a little rough, but these guys are from America, you know, and, and it's just, you know, and I think a lot of those tapes got copied to where, you know, there might've been 10,000, 20,000 people listening to those copied tapes. And then they, were, uh, they got a record deal, and Doug went over there and recorded a couple of records, and it just did enough to have a fan base. In Europe, in Germany especially, is really unique. Those fans just love their metal. I mean, there's guys my age and older that have been into metal from day one since they were 14, and you know they're 60, and they're still into it just as much. They have their leather jackets and their denim vests and all their patches, and they just love it. It's not like in America where we all grow up and get jobs and and just stop that nonsense. They, that's just part of their life. And then there's young people, too. There's a lot of kids that are into it. So the big joke in the dark was, it's like 1982 again. It's like we went over there, and it's like, this is like 1982. It was just amazing. So <laughs> I guess they just got into it, and they just still like it, still love it. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite part about being in Germany? Is it the food? Is it the chocolate? Is it the ladies? Is it just the metal? No, it was, being, it was being able to play rock star for a week. It was amazing. <laughs> you get up there and play in front of 5,000 people, they know the song. They knew who I was, and I was like the new guy. They knew who I was. We had an autograph signing thing, and they all knew exactly everybody's name and what they played on, and they wanted. To, we had like an hour and a half of just signing stuff. So it was fun. You know, I got to play music. And the one thing about being a musician is somebody's got to care. If you put something out and it's the most brilliant thing ever written or recorded and nobody cares, it doesn't matter. Right. So it's just such a, an honor to be a part of this and go over there and have people that, are, oh, I love it so much. It's so amazing. That's just, you know, that's what it's all about. Doing something, creating something that people like and want to hear, you know, because it's so depressing to spend a thousand hours on something. Everybody's like, yeah, it's all right. You know, <laughs> and no one cares. You know, Nobody gets my genius. I know. Exactly. Right. Okay. Sweet. So we've covered an awful lot. Is there anything that I missed that you wanted to touch base on, Todd? Oh, uh, no, but just we're still doing it, and we're going to try to be involved in as many different things as we can, and we're just having fun. We, we don't take it too seriously. We know we're not going to get rich the way the music industry is now, but we're looking for some opportunities. I want to thank Chris Jericho for putting the documentary out, Nathan Mowry, who did an excellent job. They made us look good because it could have been bad. You know, They could have made us look horrible. And things could have gone a lot worse, but thank God it went okay and it, it turned out right. And just thank everybody in the band for letting me be a part of it. Doug, Greg, who's a bass player, Hal, guitar, and Ed, of course, is the, the drummer and the mastermind for all the organization. He's kind of like our CEO. Okay, perfect. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, then, that concludes all my questions. So I just wanted to thank you for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today, Todd. 
Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. It's nice to meet you, John.